0: We're going to come to the Word of God. If you can please turn in your Bible, please, to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. We had started a series last week about the new covenant people of God. What does it mean to be the new covenant people? So these are the people who are saved. So if you know Jesus Christ, if you have submitted to him, if you've repented of your sins, if you've heard his call, if you know that he's the Lord of your life, If you can say, I'm a Christian, I belong to Jesus. I trust him more than I trust myself for my own salvation. If you can say that, you are the new covenant people. Being the new covenant people means that God has changed us. We're new creations in Christ. And so that affects every way that we live because the Bible tells us that we are new creations in him. It also tells us that we've been crucified with Christ and no longer live. But now he lives through us. And so our very lives, our attitudes, everything that we are, should reflect the word of God as his new covenant people. Uh, That word covenant, if that's new to you, is not just the name of our church. It's uh, an old word that means an agreement or a contract or a pact or a treaty, basically. So that covenant agreement, the covenant is sort of like if the kingdom of God had a constitution, the covenant is the constitution. And you are part of his people, a subject of King Jesus, a citizen of his kingdom, because you're in the covenant. Does that make sense? Now, that's exciting and that's really good. And we started talking about that last week. There are so many parts to that that are important for us to look at. And this week we're starting, this week and next week we're gonna look at God's mission. What is he about? As the New Covenant people, what are we about? And then, two weeks from now, on March the 8th, we're gonna start our first membership class, if you will. Uh, We are kind of rebranding them as building classes. So to be a covenant builder with us, what are we building? We're building the church. Be a covenant builder with us who's committed to being a part of the church. We ask that you do some of these classes. There are four of them. They're the critical questions, foundations, equippers, and builders classes. We're going to do those all together Sunday morning just like now during the sermon time through the year. Here's why. Two reasons. First, we want to recalibrate because our church is 50 years old. And we've done lots of different membership things. And quite honestly today, membership means something different than it used to. So uh, I have a gym membership. I use it a lot. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm a Netflix member. I can cancel any time. So membership today doesn't mean what it meant in 1960, 1970, 1980, 1990. It, it's different. Um, that's why we're talking about being a committed builder is because we're expecting God's using us to actually do something in the earth not just to come and be blessed, although we wanna be blessed, don't we? That's wonderful. But we're actually, we're doing something with God. And so that's what we're about, so that's why we're doing these classes. First of all, to calibrate. Second, when your neighbors, your friends come and people say, how do I grow spiritually here? What do I do? You can be like, hey, we did this class, critical questions, the first one, you should totally do that, here's how to do it. Because we've all done it together. Make sense? So now everybody knows. And we can, how do you do that process? How do we grow? What does that look like? All those things. It also helps us because we're figuring it out as we go. So that's exciting. So bear with us because praise the Lord, we're going to do it. Um, It's going to be great. So we're starting that March the 8th. If you have friends or relatives or somebody you've been talking to about the Lord and you have been telling them your testimony, you've been telling them the gospel and you know they don't know God, but they're maybe kind of open to doing something, bring them to church March the 8th. It's two weeks. It's just two Sundays. two Sundays. And it's looking at big questions about why should we trust the Bible? Who who is God? How do we know there's a God? It's critical questions for life for every human. We're starting there. The next class, that foundations class that we'll do in about two months, is what are the foundations of the Christian faith? What does the Bible teach us? How do we know that? How do I know if I'm saved? All those kind of things. Does it make sense what we're doing? So it's a great opportunity, not just for your own growth, uh, but for others. So invite them to the class. It will be good. Why did I start with this, these five questions? I started with these five questions because we don't talk about them a lot, and yet they keep you up at night. These are the five kind of questions that we, every human, really wonders about, thinks about. It's on our minds because God's created us to be a missional people who do something for God. We are built built as image bearers that we would reflect him. And God who created the world is not just about watching Netflix. He's about a lot more than that. And so these things are built into us. They're built into who we are as image bearers for God, of doing something for God. But there are things that we don't talk about a lot because they're hard to answer, aren't they? And they're giant. And it was really unfair of me to just give you two minutes to answer all those questions. But I did that on purpose. Our whole goal today, if you get one thing, is we answer all these questions about God's mission, about our mission, about who we are, by coming to the Word of God. That's the only place we go. If we get answers from uh, our mission or God's mission, from looking at the cosmos, which is wonderful, it declares God's glory, or the tides coming in and suddenly we feel like God said something, we have to come back to the Word of God to make sure that we are walking on track with what God is actually doing. It's really important. Okay? Everybody nod at me that you heard that. It's really important. It's more important than you getting this sermon from me and feeling like, wow, that was neat. We heard Stephen. The Word is more important. The Word is what we base our life on, the Word is our foundation. It's how we have access to God because the Bible tells us that the Word became flesh, Jesus Christ Himself. He is the Word. He died on the cross for us, He rose again. It's how we know Him because it's Him, it's His testimony. And so it's not just a book that we read. It's how we enter into worship with him. Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. Praise the Lord. Let's read 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 13. As we do that, we've got a little chunk of scripture here. So bear with me because this could probably be 10 sermons. I'm being honest with you. Having said that, though, if we skip ahead to different parts, we're going to miss all the context. This is why it's a little bit longer section. is because I want to get the word into us instead of just a teaching. Okay? Alright, praise the Lord. We're going to look at 1 Peter 1, verse 13. Let's read verse 13 through 16 to start. Here we go. 1 Peter chapter 1, we're going to start at verse 13. Peter is talking to the church about the salvation of God and he says, Therefore, because of that salvation, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully On the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Praise the Lord for his word. God wants us to be holy. What do you think God's mission is about? What is God's mission on the earth? What is he doing? It's sort of rhetorical, you don't have to answer right now. Victoria, you have an answer? Filling the earth with his glory, glory. amen. He is filling the earth with his glory, that's true. Anybody else? What is God doing? Which is us, living out his character and nature. Yeah, so we are little glory vessels, if you will, representing God's glory in the earth by how we live. Amen. That's true. If you don't want to answer, by the way, you don't have to answer. I know this is kind of classroom style, so don't be intimidated. Steve? Redeeming his people. What did Jesus say? Jesus said, I'm coming for the sheep, the lost sheep, right? And those who are without a shepherd. That's what he's doing. Everyone that the Father gives me, I'm going to, I'm going to get. That's what Jesus said. Anybody else? Yeah. The restoration of all things. That's right, because God had a plan that did not involve sin. And then sin came and messed everything up. Here's one place that's easy to see that. Um, we were, David was asking for testimonies earlier. Uh, my grandfather passed away not too long ago. And as, a, as by means of testimony, there was a decade where he didn't speak to our family. Because he had chosen to divorce his wife, my step-grandmother, I guess. And um, there wasn't really a biblical reason. And so my mom told him the truth. That's, that's not what the Bible says. So for 10 years, he didn't talk to her. And then God softened his heart, and he ended up living out his last days in my parents' house in great relationship with my mom. The restoration of a daughter and a dad, despite sin and seeing forgiveness and all those things that's in the gospel. Isn't that incredible? Isaiah said it this way. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their sons and the sons to the fathers. And so we see broken relationships everywhere. That's not how God intended it. And instead, in the gospel, the Lord pulls people back in together. And instead of, oh, I hate that guy, there's this love and grace toward each other. And, and it's, the God, it's Jesus. It's Jesus, especially if you've ever met my, my family. You know, we're, we're part Italian, but we've got a lot of Irish and, and German in us and stuff. Man, we can hold grudges. Uh-huh. Moving on. <laughs> Yes, that's what he's about. And so here we read in First Peter, chapter one, that God has called us to be holy. What does it mean to be holy? I was trying to explain that to my uh, first-grade son and my third-grade daughter the other day because their memory verses talked about holiness. And being holy—it's a hard thing to sort of figure out. It means totally separate, set apart, specific for use. We don't have. There's not a lot of good comparisons, honestly of things that we can talk about that are holy. Um, One thing that I could say that would be holy, if you will, just by way of comparison, is if you are going to, whether you like the President of of the United States or not, if you're gonna have a meeting with the President of the United States, you don't just walk in his office. You have to go through security, you have to be vetted, you have to have an appointment, you have to come in, you have to have the right credentials, and just to meet him and shake his hand is one thing, but if he's gonna talk to you about something special, you have to have clearances, it's, it's different. It's not common to meet with somebody like that, right? And so this is a very imperfect example, but the holiness of God, he is separate from us. He's different than us. He's set apart. You can't just walk up to him. And, hey, God, how's it going? I got some questions to ask you. It doesn't, he's, he's very kind to us. And sometimes he even answers those questions, but he's, he's set apart. And God's called you to be set apart. And the reality of our lives, though, is we know We often live in a way that is not. We often live in a way that's very crass. We often live in a way that's not beautiful. It's not holy. It's not special. It's sin. And the amazing thing here is that God has called us to be holy as he is holy. To reflect his very nature. We can't do that without Jesus Christ, as we're going to learn as we continue on. So God's called us to be holy. He wants the knowledge of him... To cover the whole earth as the waters cover the sea. He's turning the hearts of fathers to children, children to fathers. All these things in His holiness because He's different. He's set apart. It's not common. In other words, there is no great advertising scheme that we can do or business model or special inspirational video that's going to make people's hearts change. It's Him, it's His holiness, it's His gospel. It's him changing people. That's what God's called us to. What's his mission? His mission is to cover the whole earth with the knowledge of himself and his holiness in his restoration. That's an incredible big thing. Peter tells us we're supposed to be holy, but also we're supposed to be prepared for action, having our hope fully set on the grace that's brought about by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Isn't it interesting sometimes how we can let our eyes shift from the prize? Um, back a long time ago, when I was a young man, one of my first jobs ever was in landscaping. Anybody ever worked in landscaping? No? Okay. <laughs> Couple. <laughs> it's not the easiest job. It's dirty. It's backbreaking. It's, there's a lot. And when you bust out the shovels, you're like, oh, shovels? Oh, this is going to be fun. It's, it's hard. It's hard work. And so, my first job I did was in landscaping. And I met somebody, I don't remember, honestly, I was trying to figure out who it was, I cannot remember, Um, I don't know. Anyway, I met somebody, and they had built a beautiful retaining wall at their house. And uh, they were having some trees put in and things to make it look nice, and so the nursery that I worked for, the landscaper, had done this tree, and I was like the nursery caretaker, and on this particular day, they grabbed me and they said, you're on the crew today, because somebody was sick. I had no idea what I was doing. So next thing I know, I'm just carrying really heavy things. That was pretty much my whole job. But I went out, and I'm seeing this beautiful landscaped backyard, these trees being put in that were big trees, and it was lovely. And I remember talking to this guy about the work, because it was hard, but, boy, the end product, it was awesome. It, just lo- it was a garden, a real garden, and it looked great. And he was talking to me, and he said, you know, someday I built this wall so that when Jesus comes back, we can sit on this porch, and I can show him that wall, and I can say, Lord, I built that for you for the day you return, because I want to sit here with you. And, you know, that affected me, because here's a guy who was building a wall. I mean, it was a wall. It was just a wall. But he put so much time and effort, and then when he couldn't do the trees, that's when he had others come in and help with different things. But, boy, what a, what a testimony that is, that somebody would put that much time and attention into a little thing. And I thought, boy, what if we all worked like that? What if we built computer programs to say, Lord, I made this for you? What if we did business, or sold hot wings, or whatever we do, that we say, Lord, every person I serve, this is going to be the best, hottest hot wing, perfect, as if I'm serving it to you. Because someday when you come back, I want to share my recipe with you. What What a thought. Isn't that awesome? That's really different than the world, isn't it? And it's so easy for us to let our eyes change from the holiness of God, that in his holiness, he requires perfection. Perfection of us, perfection of our attitudes, perfection of our children, perfection of our work, perfection. And you know what? We cannot attain it without him. We cannot attain it without him. So this is not a thing to say, you all need to be perfect. This is a thing to say, we all need Jesus. We all need Jesus because with him, we say, Lord, look what I did for you. And whether it's a wall or whether it's teaching kids in Sunday school or whatever it is, say, Lord, I did my best for you because you're worth it. It's a different model, isn't it? We have to keep in mind the holiness of God. Let's read on together. First Peter, we're going to read 17 through 21. Here we go. First Peter 1:17. And if you call on Him as Father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout that time of your exile, knowing that you are ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for your sake. Who through Him are believers in God, who are raised... Who ra- believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Your faith and your hope are in God. While I was talking to my kids about holiness, I was trying to explain to them about what God did for us. And that Jesus came, he lived a perfect life. He fully met that standard of perfection, holiness that we fail in. And yet, on the cross, he took the punishment for our sin. And he really died for us. And my daughter Nora was saying, like, yeah, that's good. He took the punishment. That's great. I got it. And I said, then he raised from the dead. And she said, why did he need to raise from the dead? And I was thinking about that for a long time. And sure, defeating sin, defeating death, yes. The down payment of our resurrection, eternal life, absolutely. But think of it this way. If you are in court, if you are in court, and you got a speeding ticket, God forbid, you got a speeding ticket, and somebody paid that speeding ticket on your behalf, but they died. And they say, we don't have a record of it, who did it? Who can be the witness right now to show that this was actually paid? Otherwise, you gotta pay. And you say, I, I know he paid it. And the judge looks around and goes, well, where is he? They say, well, he, he's dead, but, you know, but he paid it. You're gonna look around, There's what are you gonna do in that situation? Much more if you're at the bar of God and you're standing before him and the Lord God asks you, are you worthy? Are you holy? This is what Peter told us. Be holy as I'm holy. He already knows the answer. And your answer is no. You say, well, well, Jesus died for me. If he's still dead, there's no power in it. Because you're going to look around. somebody, Somebody tell him what Jesus did. But the fact that Jesus stands up and says, I took the price. I did it. It changes everything. Because you look around and you see him. And everything is solved in him. Because he really took the price for us. It changes everything that he is our intercessor. He's our advocate. He's the lawyer who stands there and says, no, 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 this one belongs to me. It's in me. Saved, washed, clean, holy as I'm holy. It changes everything. The fact that he rose from the dead, it is our hope. Because knowing that, knowing that he rose from the dead means when we think about how can my life be okay, what can I do, Lord, make me holy, we see him really alive. How would Krasanthi, wonderful testimony, Krasanthi, how would Krasanthi's testimony have changed if just an apparition showed up? It's not the same. He's alive. It changes everything about us. It changes everything about our heart. It changes everything about our existence, and it changes everything about the mission. Because now we're not just living holy for God, which we're called to do, but we're actually bringing people to the holy God who is alive. That's incredible. What a great mission we have in God. Praise the Lord. What I really want to read is in chapter 2, so we're just going to go fast to get there because I'm going to be way out of time. All right, praise the Lord. Let's start at 22, and we're going to read through all the way through 2.13 starting in verse 22, having purified your souls by obedience to the truth and a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass and all its glory, like the flower of the grass, the grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you. So put away all malice and all deceit and all hypocrisy and envy and all slander, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk that, you may, that by it you may grow up to salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So the honor is for you who believe, but for those who do not believe, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble because they disobey the word as they were destined to do so. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Right under, under this middle of the page here, it says 1 Peter 1, 13 through 2:12. The first one, first, uh, 1, 13 through 16. Life is less about satisfaction and more about sanctification. Life is less about satisfaction and more about sanctification. God has called us to holiness. He's called us to worship him. He's called us to proclaim his excellencies. He's called us to do something great for him. He's called us to look more like Christ. He's called us to change, to be like him. How do we do any of those things? Through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the word applied to us, through God himself who changes us. That's how we do all those things. But we tend to dupe ourselves into thinking that my life is about my satisfaction. And guess what? We're never satisfied. Isn't it interesting that the very first sin in the history of humanity, Adam and Eve fell for, was eating a fruit from the knowledge of good and evil the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the first thing. And ever since then, we've been hungry for everything in life that we think is due us. And if we get something new, new house, we're already looking for the next bigger house. If we get something new, new job, we're already looking for the better job. If we get a new car, we're looking for the the better car. And it's just insatiable in us, isn't it? All the time, this hunger for more. It's so funny that food was the first sin because we're so hungry for it. Life is not about God just satisfying our needs. Although, you know what? He does. How wonderful. Praise God for that. And we give testimonies to it because he's so good to us. He's so kind. But more on his agenda is sanctifying us to look like Christ. The holiness that it would pour out of us that he would cause us to be those people who are his ambassadors in every situation that we're not just looking for the next good thing, but we're already seeing the greatest who is Jesus Christ. And it's him who we give to everybody because we love him. Isn't it so funny? And listen, this is me too. Have you ever gotten excited about a new product or something? Like you find, you know, you get the new iPhone and you're like, man, everybody's got to have this. And you become the, the biggest Apple guy ever. So you're like, everybody's got to try the iPhone. Or man, Tupperware, you start selling Tupperware and it's like all you can talk about. Tupperware is, it's so great. That's, it's just in you. We have the God of glory in us. Our lives are less about satisfaction, although he satisfies us, doesn't he? And more about sanctification. Because as we're changed by him, as we look more like him, suddenly it changes our thoughts. It changes our priorities. We realign with his mission. And it's when we live for him, it's when we build a wall and say, Lord, this is for you because you called me to do it. The greatest satisfaction comes. Isn't that funny? Oh, God is so good. He's so good. Chapter 1, 17 through 19. Our conduct is based on Christ's redemption, not our pedigree, not accolades. Jesus Christ raised from the dead, he is our hope. What is it that directs the believer's life? It's scripture. It's the word of God. It's the foundation for our life. It's the foundation for our understanding who God is, who we are. It's our foundation for wisdom. It is, it's our life. Why can I say it? It's him. It's his testimony. How are we sanctified? We're sanctified through suffering Sometimes. We're sanctified by the Word of God applied to us. You know the Holy Spirit? He can do anything He wants. And He chose that this would be the normal means. The normal means. It's so easy for us sometimes to look for the miraculous all the time. Lord, if you just give me this miracle when usually it's through Scripture that God's going to speak to us. Scripture directs the believer's life. What is this spiritual milk that causes us to grow up? What do you think? It's the word, it is the word of God. What is, Paul, what is Peter talking about? He's talking about the word of God. He's talking about the gospel that we received, the preached word that was given, the, the testimony of Christ. It's the word of God that's the spiritual milk that causes us to grow up. Why am I telling you that? I'm telling you that because my default, I'm just using myself as an example, it is to go back to old worship songs that really got me. And if I want to feel close to God, I'll sing an old worship song that really gets me. And I suddenly feel this, I feel better. And it's a substitute sometimes for just drinking some milk when I'm really starving. Isn't it? Because you have this little emotional feel of, oh, I remember that. Instead of the Holy Spirit going, nourish yourself, drink this. And instead, we want to sing out and feel better. When I was in college, I remember my roommate above me was going through a rough time, and one day I was working on homework, and my lights started shaking above me in my room. And he had cranked up some like third-day worship album and was just jumping and just and it was be- it was beautiful, it was wonderful. But I, he thought he was alone; nobody could hear him. I could hear every word because I'm just trying. And I'm like put on my headphones, like oh. it was so loud. Those things are great. Do those things; they're wonderful. But if all you eat is a diet of music, you will starve. We need the milk that God gives us. It's the word of God. And Paul will tell us later, get through the milk. Let's get to the meat. It even gets better, isn't it? God's plan for your life is to build you up upon the foundation of Christ to a spiritual house. You are a holy priest, a sacrificer for God. We're to proclaim the excellencies of God. That little bold thing, in Christ we are, here's what you are, a chosen race. You're a royal priesthood, a royal priest. How cool is that? You, have been part of a, you are now part of a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, that you would proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. If you, like Moses, feel like you're not good at talking, God has made you a proclaimer. He will give you the words. He will help you. That doesn't necessarily mean you're going to have a radio broadcast. But in every circumstance where you need to say the word, he will meet you there. How cool is that? God has got us on mission for himself because we have received mercy. God's plan is to build you up upon the foundation of Christ. Here's what the church is. The church is individual temples of the Holy Spirit whom God has chosen to dwell, to be the place where God meets with man. That's what the temple was. That's what you are now. The temple of the Holy Spirit collectively then, to be the temple in God. And our job, every one of us, Paul says it this way, present yourselves as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. That's what our worship looks like. On Sunday morning when we come together, or any time when we come together, our job as royal priests, male, female, everybody, young, old, everybody, is to place ourselves on the altar as a sacrificer, And say, Lord, because of your sacrifice, because of what you did, because of your death, because of your resurrection, I give you myself. And I belong to you and everything in me. I'm yours. And when we do that, the gifts come together in the body. And this is what Paul says in the book of Corinthians. He says, it would be that all the visitors, all the Gentiles coming in, would see the people together and all the gifts functioning and everybody Being the royal priest God has called us to be. And the utterance from their mouths would be, surely God is here. Because as we are in the mode that God has put us to be royal priests, sacrificing ourselves before him, God is glorified. Do you remember when Solomon built the temple in the Old Testament? And the queen of Sheba came and and she witnessed the temple. Do you remember what it says? Her breath was taken away by it, by its beauty. But we have to understand, and I know I've said this before, because it's helpful to get the context. It's not just a building that's gold-plated. This beautiful temple that took her breath away. What takes her breath away is the actual priests doing their work. You have to understand, when all of the people are coming to one place for sacrifices, there are rivers of blood. That's gross, isn't it? But think of all the animals in one day that would be sacrificed at the temple. Every family bringing an offering. It's, there's a lot. It's a big deal. There's a giant barbecue going all the time. That's bigger than the stage. It is a big deal. What's happening? And the Queen sees it and witnesses it and smells the barbecue. Her breath is taken away because it's it, it's so different. There's a holiness factor there, you see. And so people come around us, and they smell the barbecue of you, offering yourself to God as a royal priest. Say, Lord, I belong to you. Before I go to work today, my attitude, I sacrifice it before you. Instead of just trying to get what I want, Lord, I'm going to be an agent of holiness today. Lord, let the anger depart from me and instead let me be a a reconciler with peace in Jesus' name. And all of a sudden, that smell of that offering, it's it's awesome. It's so much to bear. And that's who you are. That's your identity in Christ. Chosen. Built up. And it's what we do together. What's God's mission? Cover the earth with the knowledge of his glory as the waters cover the sea. How will he do that? Sacrificers. Royal priests who speak his word, proclaim his excellencies, who sacrifice everything they have before him. And it smells unlike anything else we've ever witnessed. And in those moments, that's why the queen of Sheba, whoever that person is, their breath's taken away because of what God's done. Isn't that incredible? And it's the Lord. He enables us to do all of it. He's so good to us. All these consequences, Peter tells us, I urge you then as exiles, abstain from the passions of the flesh. Keep your conduct honorable so that when they speak against you, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. What do all these consequences of this revelation mean for you individually? for the church, for your part in it, reflecting on God's mission? This is a big question that you can think about during the week. What it means is, we just take every day, step-by-step, trusting in Jesus that God himself is making us look more like Christ and that every day, our satisfaction is less important than his sanctification. And we do that by just loving others, by forgiving, by being like Christ to people, by proclaiming his excellencies, those are all way easier said than done, aren't they? And yet with the help of the Holy Spirit, every day becomes a royal priest moment to honor God and declare his grace. When I was working in the landscaping crew, it was 1998, I believe. It was one year after we had built this building, the church. Um, and uh, I remember, I grew up in this church, for those of you who are, don't know that, which is awesome. And I remember the place that I worked to was not far from here, and we were on the highway driving in this giant big truck. And we were coming just from like 141 here, heading west in the big, big truck. And I'm just about to point out to the guy who's riding with me. I can't remember his name. It was like Jimmy or something. I was going to say, Jimmy, that's my church. You should come on Sunday. You know. And I was like 17 or something. I don't know. So I was like, Jimmy, you should. And just as I'm about to talk to him, just as I'm about to display some excellencies of God and we're going to talk about things and you're going to get saved in the truck. It's going to be great. Just as I'm about to do that, a bird come, flies right next to me and I have the windows down and everything in the truck and it's like coasting along and I was like, oh, this is, this is cool. Hey, bird. And it went, Phew, and went right in front of the truck and I just saw Phew, feathers. <laughs> and it pretty much sunk our really cool royal priest moment that I thought was going to happen. You know, pretty much sunk it. It's really funny. It was really funny. It was a terrible poor bird. I feel awful for it. But I was so I just we just stunned, looked at each other like, why did it do that? Just like committed suicide right on the highway 40. It was awful. We got back to the place. You know what is more important than the bird or the moment of looking at the church building? Is not complaining on the work site. So these are my first couple days out, and they're like, dude, you're gonna be sore tomorrow. And I was like, yeah. I made, made $5 an hour, it's gonna be great. I don't know, I was a kid. But getting out there, working with the guys, I didn't know anything, so I was carrying trees. They, thought, they were telling me to do things as a joke that I thought was real. So I'm dragging trees up hills, just doing it. And they're like, we, we're waiting for the time where you're gonna be like, screw you guys. Because that's how everybody is. And you know what, I had bad moments, I had good moments, I had all in between moments. But I'm telling you, be who you are, who God's created you. Let his attitude, let his life go through you. And in times when you're like, this is the moment, I'm going to show him the church building. Instead, just show him your life. This is say, this is what God's done for me. That's how we declare his excellencies. Isn't he good to us? Isn't he kind? You are already equipped to be the priest that God has called you to be because you are in the new covenant. And as a person on mission, our satisfaction is less important than his sanctification, than glorifying God, than looking more like Christ, than walking it out every day. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you, and then we're going to sing a song, and we're going to go. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your peace, God. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus, by your power, that you will cause your word to rest deeply into each of us. Lord, I pray that today the spiritual milk of your word would cause us, God, to be nourished in you, that we would look more like Jesus. Lord, if there's anybody here who doesn't know Jesus, who has not bowed the knee to him, though all these things sound foreign, Father, I pray that you would call them to yourself even now in Jesus' name. Father, if there's anyone here it has been a long time would feel far and distant from God, Lord, I pray that you would cause by that spiritual nurturing, that milk of the word of God, to come into us and lift us up and restrengthen us, that we would lift our eyes to heaven and see our Advocate standing there, the risen Lord Jesus Christ. Father, our hearts desires that you would be glorified. Lord, help us, Lord, that we would honor you in every instance of life and that we would be those who would be quick to declare the excellencies of you who called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. Be blessed now in the name of the Father. Know his peace. In the name of the Son, Know all of His calling. In the name of the Holy Spirit, know His power. God bless you. Amen.